You're listening to the Visionary Life Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Rydell. Each week, I'll bring you conversations with the most passionate business owners on this earth in hopes that you'll be able to absorb their wisdom, avoid their failures, and feel less alone on the roller coaster ride that is entrepreneurship. This season, I'll be chatting with creative thinkers, masterful marketers, brick and mortar shop owners, well known visionaries, and people just like you who have a story to share or a brand that inspires. If I can share one quick secret with you before we get into the episode, it's that we all have a little bit of visionary inside of us. You know, that spark that nudges us to pursue our full potential in this lifetime. But perhaps somewhere along the line, it got covered up. I'm here to tell you that it's never too late to explore that inner voice and access the brilliance deep down inside of you. It's in you. It's in all of us. Let's dive in. In the heart of Muskoka, home to some of Canada's finest nature and cottage escapes, there lies a town called Bracebridge. It's a place you can come to create, to taste, and to truly live. There's nothing quite like it. Which is why I'm so excited to bring you a special six-episode series in partnership with this magical little town. I'll be sitting down with local shop owners, restaurateurs, visionary entrepreneurs, artists, and above all, kind-hearted individuals who love sharing a piece of the town they live in. Bracebridge, Ontario is the perfect place to escape for an adventure, for relaxation, and to live out your own most visionary life. Be sure to stay in the loop with what's going on at Visit the Bridge on Instagram, V-I-S-I-T-T-H-E-B-R-I-D-G-E. Today, I am sitting down with Claire Jordan, the owner of Cala House of Color. Cala is one of the cutest, most unique retail shops in downtown Bracebridge, offering shoppers a collection of colorful, handmade, and environmentally friendly home goods, clothing, and gifts. Just picture a super Instagrammable boutique shop, and then... 10x that. Like it's so much better than your average store. That is Cala House of Color. Claire Jordan, the founder and creative mind behind the shop, has curated the most incredible space filled with really great products that are ethically sourced and unique finds from other small businesses and entrepreneurs. And she keeps this in mind as she hand selects items in the shop so that she can support the dreams of fellow makers and entrepreneurs as well as her own. I could listen to Claire speak all day long. You'll quickly notice how incredibly gorgeous her voice is to listen to, how eloquently she speaks, and how much wisdom she drops. We're going back in time to learn about what Claire was up to before launching Cala and how this London native ended up in the small town of Bracebridge, and I mean London, England. Uh, We also talk about how she gained proof of concept that this type of shop was something that people wanted, and she did that in a very strategic way. She shares what it's like living in the apartment directly above her shop. It's kind of like a a fairy tale, right? Like you have this beautiful shop and you walk upstairs and you live right above it. Um, So she shares behind the scenes of that. Some lessons learned from owning a brick and mortar, especially through COVID and so much more. So enjoy this week's episode with Claire from Cala House of Color. If you want to visit Cala House of Color, go check out their website, their Instagram, or stop by when you're in Bracebridge. Enjoy the episode and I'll catch you on the other side. Just one more thing, actually, if you are a small business looking to double your clients, double your revenue, and increase your reach, isn't that what we're all trying to do? If you want to do that in the coming three months, then I have something special for you. The week of September 14th, our brand new marketing boot camp begins, or our marketing intensive, as I'm calling it. And you just have a few more days to take advantage of early bird pricing. So if you have no idea what I'm talking about, here's the deal. I'm going to be your coach while we work through the marketing mastery intensive together. This is a signature program from the Visionary Method for small business owners who are making at least 50K in 
revenue each year and are looking to double that through time-honored and innovative marketing strategies. So I created this framework because these marketing principles are so timeless, they are wealth producing, and they are little known often ignored by modern marketing gurus. And contrary to popular belief, I want you to know that you don't need fancy Facebook ads or click funnels to run a wildly successful business. But you do need to know the seven principles that I'm teaching throughout this three-month course. So for three months, we'll work together. I'll drip you mind-blowing content, applicable homework challenges, alongside time-honored processes that you can implement right away. You can incorporate them into your business strategy immediately. And so, yeah, this program, September 14th, three months long, 90 days with a group of fellow business owners. I cannot wait to open this up to you. So if you want more info, if you want to grab early bird pricing, go to kelseyridel.lpages.co slash marketing or kelseyridel.com slash marketing for the basic version. Um, And if you have questions, just DM me. All the links will be in the show notes. Let's dive into the episode with Claire. Claire, welcome to the Visionary Life Podcast. I'm so excited to chat with you today. Uh, When we started planning and dreaming this partnership with the town of Bracebridge, your name came up a few times as somebody that we should chat with who is a visionary entrepreneur. So thank you for being here and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So let's start with some quick fire questions. First things first, did you grow up in Bracebridge? I didn't. I actually grew up in Ireland. I don't know if you'll be able to tell with my accent. I was going to ask about it. (laughs) It's definitely faded a little bit, but I grew up in uh, the south of Ireland in County Cork in a very small village, 700 people. Um, So yeah, long, long way from home. (laughs) And what ultimately brought you to Ontario, Canada? So I moved here in 2012. I worked uh, straight out of university. I worked for a company in Dublin, uh, actually a Canadian founded company called Mercer. Um, And I worked with them uh, in a graduate program straight out of my uh, postgraduate. And I worked with them for a few years and then they had an opportunity that came up in Toronto. So I ended up traveling over to work uh, with them in Toronto for a few years. So that's what landed me here in the first place. Um, okay, so now I have yeah. to ask then, how did you end up in Bracebridge, which is two hours north of Toronto? Yeah, so then uh, I worked for uh, that company in Toronto for another few years. And then they asked me to go to India, actually. So this is quite a tangent. So I went to India for initially what was supposed to be a one-year contract. I stayed for almost two and a half years there. Um, But essentially, uh, what we were doing was we were sending worker, offshoring work, I suppose is what they call it, um, from the Toronto office over to the India department. So we were training people, setting up a team over there. But essentially, they were absorbing my department in Toronto. So at that point, I'd sort of maybe grown a little bit weary of the work itself, not so much the company. Uh, I love the people I work with and everything, but I was sort of a little bit weary of the context of the work. And I felt like I wanted to do something a little bit more creative and probably solo. So something kind of out on my own. Mm-hmm. Um So I spent a lot of time sort of uh, thinking about what sort of business I would like to get into. And being in India at the time, a lot of different inspiration uh, came to me, whether it was going to be a travel business related to India. But one thing that I did love when I was there was all the textiles. Um, So uh, because uh, when my contract in India ended, um, there was an option for me to move somewhere else within the company um or to basically take severance so i thought okay well that would be a good launching pad for me to go out and do something by myself so i came back to toronto took the severance and then i had about a year to sort of do up a sort of plan for what i would like to do and i had met uh, a few contacts in india with with relation to textile companies and so i started small batches of textiles clothing nightwear bedding that kind of thing from a couple of suppliers that I'd met contacts with in India and what I did was pop-up shops so I just rented small spaces across Toronto 
art gallery spaces, small spaces that were in between leases. And I would rent them for anywhere from like four days, like a long weekend to like, you know, it could be a two month thing. And it was really for me just to sort of feel out the retail side of things to see where people responding to the product that I was bringing over that I was importing. Um, but also to see if I liked doing this type of business. It was very low risk in a sense that, you know, I was buying a small quantity of inventory. Um, I was getting good deals on like the pop-up shop rents. I wasn't signing on to a long-term lease um, and I kept things pretty simple. So I did that for about a year. So to get back to your question of how I ended up in Bracebridge. So I did numerous pop-up shops, but one of them was in Port Carling. So I came up here for a summer in 2015 and I opened a pop-up store uh, in Port Carling for two, I think it was two, two and a half months in the summer. Um, and I fell in love with Muskoka and decided, okay, I went back to Toronto, but I decided that I wanted to make it work, that I could come back up here and open a store in one of the year round, let's say, uh, towns, because Port Carling is obviously very seasonal. Um, as are some of the bigger towns too, but you could certainly operate a year-round store in somewhere like Huntsville, Bracebridge, Gravenhurst. So I spent some time looking for the right location, sort of uh, researching the areas. Um, and initially, I, re I really thought that I was going to end up in Huntsville, but it just so happened uh, that this space came available that I was initially in Bracebridge. Um, and so in April, May 2016, I took on a, my first sort of year lease on a brick and mortar store. And I opened, I think, early June 2016. So such a cool story. <laughs> um, you mentioned that when you got to Port Carling, you just fell in love with Muskoka. I'm wondering if you can share with the listeners, because some of them have never been to Muskoka before, and maybe they live outside of Canada and may never get there. What is it that you love about Muskoka? What was that feeling that you were like, yep, I need to move here? Yeah, for me, uh, definitely the natural beauty. I mean, it is just one of the most stunning places. The mixture of the water, like the connection of all the lakes, uh, the river that we have here in Bracebridge, all of the trails that we have, all of the outdoor activities that you could do mixed with, um, you know, sweet little towns that you can still go and do sort of your retail therapy. You can have a great meal. Uh, you can go and see live music. Um, so for me, I just I love the fact that I could be so close to all of that natural environment, but still have that sort of lifestyle that I wanted um, and just at a much slower pace. Mm -hmm. um, and I just felt, you know, yeah, the pace was really good, but the people were so nice. I felt such a community feel very quickly when I came up here. And I think too, you know, the, I'd worked in corporate for 10 years and I'd worked in big cities, but I am a small town girl. Like I grew up mm -hmm. in a very small uh, part of Ireland, small, small town in Ireland. And I think as I was getting older, you know, it's in my thirties at that point, I really just felt like such a connection to sort of getting back to that community. Um, and I, you know, I was very rooted in Canada. I love living in Canada. There are a lot of things that I love um, about being here. Particularly, I love the defined four seasons. Yeah. And that is one thing that you get to experience in Muskoka, like nowhere else. You know, you get to experience the beautiful, warm, lively summers um, when there's a lot of hustle and bustle around. You get gorgeous fall colors and then you get, you know, stunning winters where you get to just go and explore and, um, yeah, just be, be in nature in, you know, something that I didn't grow up with. So it was very new to me, but I, you know, I really love all the, the four seasons. Mm hmm so take us back then to May, you said May, June 2016. So you find a space that you want to lease. You're putting the bones together for your first brick and mortar. What were some of the early challenges that you ran into in getting this space up and running? Because you went from pop-up shops, which are maybe a little easier and not as much commitment, not as much risk, to really committing to make this into a business that you're going to pour your time and energy into. So yeah, walk us through those first few months, the challenges in getting it set up, and then maybe in the first few months of being opened. 
Yeah, it was definitely a different approach. I mean, I, I, it was still a rental, but I came in and I had to do quite a bit of work to sort of overhaul the space. It had been a coffee shop before and it was all of these like really dark colors like mocha and navy and, you know, so I probably spent most of my time painting um, and then, yeah, acquiring a lot of fixtures and fittings. So I was back and forth to Toronto. I was going to a lot of antique spots. I was trying to sort of source a lot of um, different display pieces that worked. I wanted to keep a very bohemian look to the store, um, sort of eclectic in a way. Um, a lot of what I sell in terms of the textiles are very sort of floral prints. They look amazing in a cottage. They've got lots of birds and flowers and like they're really, really vibrant. Um, and they look really good against white and wood. So that was sort of my, my theme for the store. Um, and when I opened, you know, I did find, you know, I sort of dove right in to do, you know, the, the full year round brick and mortar store. I was still only working with probably, I would say maybe at most seven or eight suppliers at that time. Um, and I really realized that my breadth of product was not very wide to fill a whole store. So that become intimidating and I suppose that from there I really started to think about okay well what is the direction of the store that I want to take and, and one thing that I knew was that um, I wanted to keep the store very much about uh, you know handmade goods artisanal goods that were ethically sourced um, I spent a lot of time sourcing and you know that is one of the main uh, sort of the ethos I suppose of, of my business is that uh, trying to source products that are beautiful handcrafted goods, unique that, you know, I try and source. Um, well, at that time, I was really focused on on India. And Kala, the name of the store actually means artisan in, in Hindi. So that's where I came up with that. But I realized I needed to fill it with, um, you know, a, a, a bigger breadth of products, so more diverse range of products and sort of staying in the gift and homeware uh, realm. Um, so then I started really focusing on looking for local makers that I could add to the store to complement the linens that I had and, and the textiles that I was carrying, sort of keeping that artisanal bohemian sort of bohemian feel. Um, and so from there, I spent a lot of time, you know, talking to locals and sort of looking to see who were artisans, who were ceramic artists and, um, you know, people who were making clothes and accessories and stuff like that locally that I could start bringing into the store. Um, the good thing was I opened, you know, early summer, late spring, early summer. So I had quite a, a great introduction because it was busy downtown and I had a lot of people coming in and, um, you know, it really gave me a taste of uh, those summer months. And, and I got a lot of feedback during that time. Oh, this would do really well in your store. Or, Have you heard of this person? Or, you know, also about the products that I was carrying, you know, what people liked. And, and you know, I got a taste of that in the pop-up shops, but certainly being in the permanent space, I got to really see, see more of the same people coming in and giving me, you know, this feedback. Um, so that was really great. And it sort of gave me, you know, a better idea of the direction I wanted to go in for the store because I was very much just, you know, um, I suppose I just sort of was going with the flow. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was choosing things that I thought, um, you know, I really liked and I thought could do really well in this market. Um, but having, you know, a full um, brick and mortar year on store, I really pay how, what else are people going to be looking for and sort of building out the product collection. Mm -hmm. um, and then I headed into my first uh, winter. Um, and so that was interesting. And I, you know, anybody, I think that's opened a business up in Muskoka, you know, they have those first couple of winters where it gets really scary. <laughs> you know, you quite, you haven't quite built up your, uh, local customer base yet. You, you know, in the summer you get a lot of transient, you know, tourists, cottagers, that kind of thing. Um, and you know, it probably took me, uh, two three years before I really started to feel and I had local support but where I really started to feel that become um, more bread and butter for me in the off season mm -hmm. um, so yeah it was interesting to open up that time of year it gave you you know a, a great you know insight into what 
uh, can be in the summer, um, but then like a big dip in uh, the off season. Um, but the longer that I'm in business, the more I see that sort of leveling off for me. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still a big bump, don't get me wrong. Like there's still a big um, like influx uh, that happens in the summer, of course. But I do see that the winter tourism is growing up here. And also, as I said, just my local uh, base of clientele is growing all the time. Thanks to edX for supporting this week's episode of Visionary Life. edX offers top quality university education at your fingertips. Supporting learners at every stage, whether you're just entering the job market, changing career paths, or seeking a promotion, edX delivers online courses for visionaries like you on topics that you'll love, like marketing, entrepreneurship, and food and nutrition among many others. To kick off my own edX experience, I enrolled in a marketing course and just wrapped up an amazing lesson on the topic of real-time marketing, which is all about how we, as business owners and marketers, can incorporate the narrative of current events into our promotional strategies. Professor Darren shared so many real-life examples, and I loved listening to this lecture. I also appreciated that I could listen to the lecture at one and a half speed. Yeah, I'm a little bit nutty like that. While folding my laundry, cooking dinner, hello multitasking. Visit edX.org slash visionary. That's E-D-X dot O-R-G slash visionary for an exclusive discount and start your learning today with top professors and instructors from a wide variety of prestigious universities. You'll be amazed that you're able to access this type of information without leaving your laptop. Offered fully online, edX courses are flexible and can fit into your busy schedule. What are you waiting for, Visionary? Again, simply visit edX.org slash visionary to get started. One more time, that's edX.org slash visionary. So at this point in time, how do most people find out about Cala House and Color? Like, what are some of your main marketing strategies? How do you outreach not only to the local community, but to people who are just touring Bracebridge for the weekend? How do people come find your shop? So I would say this is probably where I'm, I'm probably lacking. I'm, I'm very uh, shy to do what I would call sort of push marketing. Yes. Yes. Um, and I, I actually did marketing in my, my degree in college, which is hilarious <laughs> because I would say it's probably the one thing that I'm really bad at, but uh, I don't know, for me, it's very organic. I tend to First and foremost, I want to make a beautiful space. Um, I want to make a space that when people come in, they feel very welcomed and they come in and they enjoy going through the space. Um, And so, you know, from there, then I try and build on that by doing good photography and sort of releasing that out into the world. But again, I don't really do any sort of push marketing. I do a lot on social media and I will say I'm beginning to see huge benefit um, from that. You know, I've spent years sort of posting and sort of feeling like, is this doing any work? And then particularly this recent season, like spring and with COVID and the closure and everything, like I've definitely felt that that was uh, paying off, like to Mm -hmm. have um, so much good photography of the products inventory we have and of the store itself. Um, And yeah, I mean, right now I'm necessarily doing any sort of paid advertising. Um, I like doing stuff like this, like where I'm talking to somebody that will put, uh, you know, my name out into the world. I like collaborating with other businesses, particularly my makers. Um, you know, the artisans that I uh, stock their products in the store, like I do collaboration with them, a giveaway or something like that. And they'll tend to sort of talk to their followers about me. Um, and uh, yeah, I would say, um, you know, getting much more involved with things like the BIA and the town of Bracebridge, um, you know, things like that just gets my name out more among the community. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, in, in my early days, I did probably a lot more, but I sort of felt like I was spreading myself thin. I would do yeah. things like um, shows in Toronto, like the Cottage Live show. I did that for three years in a row. I did the home show in Toronto. 
Um, I did a pop-up shop in Collingwood. I did another one where like I wasn't physically present myself, but I would go and set up a room in a store of Kala and, you know, have all the stuff there. Um, and that definitely um, introduced me to customer bases outside of Bracebridge, um, particularly cottagers, because obviously they would go to those shows. Um, and they were very exhausting to do, but I think they were very worthwhile for me to do to build my brand in the early days. Um, now I sort of feel like I want to focus more on having the store and like, um, you know, building uh, the customer base, particularly. Mm-hmm local i've been focusing a lot on that in the last year or so um but i don't necessarily have any let's say sort of formal marketing strategy well i think you just shared so many good ones and i love hearing that in the early days like you were in more of that hustle mentality where you got to get out to the shows and you have to you know be a little bit more diligent and maybe spreading yourself thin to see what works but yeah it's really cool that you say like number one getting involved in your local community like you can't underestimate the power of um just making yourself known and introducing yourself to people who are going to be your supporters especially in a seasonal business and Number two, I think partnerships like people often overlook the power of two people or two businesses coming together. Um, But the cool thing is that you get to tap into somebody else's audience. They get to tap into your audience. So it's such an amazing way to build your reach. So I think you do have so many cool marketing strategies that you just shared. Um, And yeah, I don't think everybody needs to be doing things like paid advertising, right? There's so much organic traffic that probably comes into the store and um, it sounds like you're doing a really great job. So for somebody who has never been to Cala before, could you kind of describe the experience of what we could see and uh, touch and smell as soon as we enter the door? Well, if uh, if I met a sale for every person that comes in and says, oh, my God, it smells so good in here, <laughs> my business would be doing so well. I love um, that. What smells yeah. so good? Tell me. <laughs> Everybody asks me, and I'm telling you, I, I do not have an answer except to say I think it's a concoction of the different yeah. products, all of the candles, yes. the apothecary, the teas. Um, I have even a lot of plants. Right now I have some dried eucalyptus that's decorating the place. Um, So there's always just, yeah, like a subtle sort of nice smell. I try to make sure that it's not uh, overpowering or that like synthetic smell. Like it is all all our apothecary candles. They're all natural essential oil based. Um, But yeah, most people who come in are like, oh my God, it smells so so good in here. Um, But really the visual is very colorful. So, you know, I obviously I mentioned I bring in a lot of textiles from India. And you can imagine India being as vibrant and colorful as it is. Um, You know, that sort of pop of color is what you see first. You see a lot of print. Um, And like I said, I sort of set it up like um, an experience, really. I actually spent, before I I, um, opened a store at all or even did my first pop-up, I spent six months working at Anthropology, if you know that store in Toronto. Mm -hmm. And they'd opened a brand new store um, on Queen West. And I worked with them from the onset said it was in an old church beautiful um but i worked with them when they were in the process of opening so right from when like two thousand boxes of inventory came and we spent like two weeks doing merchandising and it was the most fun i love doing it but i love their ambiance i love their aesthetic and that was sort of what i wanted to model my store off of so if you've been to an anthropology store you'll kind of get a hint of of what i'm trying to do i mean i wouldn't say that it's <laughs> anywhere close to how beautiful and professional their stores look but i try my best to sort of make it like that where you're not coming in and just seeing you know one type of product after one type of product I try and make it sort of harmonious so you can almost imagine all of these products in your life in your sort of lifestyle I suppose and how they can work in harmony together in your home Um, and so yeah and I sort of set it up where you come in first and there's a lot of cookbooks and food items and so I think you know you're almost like coming into someone's kitchen in their home and then as you move back you're going to get into more you know cushions and blankets and things like that so you're almost getting into the living room and then when you go back further you're into the bedding section so then you've got beautiful quilts and drapes and things for your bedroom Um, and then scattered throughout all of that are candles and pottery 
um, apothecary items and uh, plants and you know things like that to sort of make it all sort of blend in and feel more like an experience and more homely. Mm-hmm. So cool. And we'll definitely put a bunch of photos of the space in the show notes or someone can go check out your Instagram, which will also be linked there. Yep. I'm wondering, where do you find inspiration to continue to curate such awesome items? Where do you find inspiration to decorate your place and to, you know, find that next hidden gem? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's sort of like a snowball effect. Like when I started doing particularly a lot of thing for artisans locally and within Canada themselves itself um, you know you start with a few makers a few artisans and all of a sudden you know you're starting to see other products that they're affiliated with or partnerships that they're doing with other makers um, I go to the one-of-a-kind show to sort of source or any of those like artisanal even local markets here where they have um, the Muskoka Arts and Craft Christmas show and the summer show at Annie Williams Park uh, huge inspiration at those shows where you get to see a mixture of sort of art and artisanal goods put together um, and that's very much where I come from with regard to sort of creating a beautiful visual experience but also tangible product um, but yeah I mean I'm inspired all the time I mean I, I probably do a lot of my uh, research and sort of um, I suppose like searching a product on on Instagram to be honest or if I'm traveling like I'll always go in going to other small towns in Ontario if I get to you know in the fall particularly if it's a bit quieter I get to go for a weekend I love to go visit other small towns wherever I go if I'm you know if I go to Vancouver or wherever wherever I've got the opportunity to travel to I'll go into other small speciality stores uh, like mine and just sort of try and look for inspiration or try and see other products that they're carrying and um, get introduced to new makers that way um, and it's funny, you know, I'll buy from a maker, it'll come into the store and all of a sudden I could build a whole new display just around that product line. Um, I have an amazing local potter, Crystal Speck, who does the most beautiful um, ceramic collection of bowls and vases and tumblers and things like that. Um, and yeah, I've got a whole shelf section just dedicated to her beautiful pottery and it stands alone. It's just such an eye-catching collection. Um, and that's, you know, a significant portion of the store that I've dedicated to her. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you know, the products really are what inspire me and what, you know, lead me to create these displays. Mm-hmm. When you are sourcing different products to bring in the store, do you shop for a particular avatar or a certain type of client that you know shops with you? Or do you actually just buy the things that you love and that you know you're going to feel passionate about because you can easily sell something you adore to somebody else, right? How do you decide what comes in and out? Yeah, I would definitely say I'm the latter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, I definitely buy, you know, for myself almost and stuff that I would love to have and love to use. And yeah. then I essentially just buy it in volume and hope that yeah. other people like it. And I do realize like, you know, some of that is to my detriment. Like I do need to start thinking sort of outside of that realm a little bit. And the good thing is I get that feedback from customers. You know, they'll tell me, you know, do you have anything like this? And that will sort of plant a seed with me and I'll say, okay, well, maybe you know this line is something that I should be thinking about it might not be exactly what I would be looking for but it could do well with my customer base Um, more often than not you know I am sort of thinking okay do I like this and for sure I would say yeah if it's something that I love I find it so much easier to converse with the customer about that product if it's something that I'm using um, you know I can especially you know in the candles apothecary even in the food um, you know if I have used it or eaten it or consumed it you know it's so much easier for me to describe it and and there might be things that I got that may not exactly be to my taste or it might not be the right product for me in the end but I'd least I've used it and I can talk to the customer about you know uh, what are the benefits for you or you know it depends on the product essentially but um, yeah I I definitely do buy more with sort of my taste in mind Um, but again sort of coming back to the partnerships I have with a lot of my makers and my suppliers you know I'll get a lot of um, inspiration from them in terms of other product lines that sort of are cohesive let's say with their product lines Um, and that sort of leads me to go a little bit outside of my own just you know mindset and what what I would like to have Um, 
but um, essentially, I would say overall, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of, of what I like. And I do think that does make it a lot easier for me to sort of, like I said, converse with customers about the benefits of the product or the, the great things about the product. Yeah. And I think that number one, like you have to be in love with the products you're selling, whether you sell services within your business, whether you sell products, whether you are promoting a podcast, like you know, if I wasn't excited about this interview, it would be really hard for me to promote it when it goes live. And, you know, it it just wouldn't come across as all that exciting from my voice, which is the one that needs to spread it. So I think like, there's definitely something to that you need to be a huge fan of your own business. It sounds obvious. But um, at the end of the day, if you're the biggest advocate of the products you've got, people are going to literally like feel that excitement radiating from you. And I think that's, um, yeah, there's definitely a a strategy behind that. Now, I know before we started recording, you said you sometimes have a little bit of trouble separating work and life and you often spend long days in the shop. So do you have any routines for maintaining balance between not burning out from the shop, but also still being able to pour into this business that you love so much? How do you, how do you keep a balance? Yeah, I mean, I I think uh, that was one thing I I would say in my old career, I had a very difficult time with um, separating sort of the stress of work from home. And I will say, you know, yes, there are stressful things to owning your own business for sure. But there is such a difference when you love what you do. Um, You know, it doesn't feel like so much of a chore. Um, like I said, there's obviously elements of it that, you know, there's pressure and there's stress. But uh, when I think about, you know, uh, coming down here to the store to do whatever I need to do, merchandising or, you know, social media and that kind of thing, um, and spending time with my customers, I love to do all those things. Like I, I could do it, you know, all day long and I leave pretty, you know, refreshed. I'm never really exhausted from it. Um, going back to, you know, the benefits of living in somewhere like Muskoka is you have such an amazing, uh, you know, work-life balance because you can go out um, after work or before work. I have two dogs, so they really get me out um, to go for long walks and and get into nature. And I feel like that just always rejuvenates and refreshes me. And even if I'm out for an hour, an hour and a half hike, and I'm thinking about the store (laughs) constantly during that, Mm -hmm. you know, what will be my next social media post in the next few weeks or what uh, products, you know, gaps that I feel like I need to fill in with products or what things I need to reorder um you know I find that that's productive thinking and I don't feel that it's like uh crossing the line too much into I need to switch off mm-hmm. um you know I I just find that I am so inspired by it that you know it's okay that it sort of crosses the boundaries I suppose in terms mm-hmm. of work life for me anyway you know thank you to healthy planet for supporting today's show Healthy Planet is your one-stop shop for all of your natural health and supplement needs, and they have the best prices, I promise you. I've been shopping at Healthy Planet for over five years, and that is why I am so grateful to have them as sponsors, because I know you're going to love how easy their online or in-person shopping experience is. You can find them at www.healthyplanetcanada.com. On their website, you can shop by department or dietary need, or even you could just pop in and check the sale rack. It's such an efficient way to ensure that you're stocked up on all of your favorite health goods all of the time. Use the code VISIONARY10 at checkout, that's VISIONARY10, and you'll save 10% on any online order that's a minimum of $49. So again, that's the code VISIONARY10 at checkout at HealthyPlanetCanada.com. I'm wondering, is there any business skill right now that you're working on up-leveling or learning more about because you say, oh, you know what, I could probably improve in this particular area, whether that's marketing, sales, um, anything in between? Yeah, I would say for sure marketing. Uh, And one thing, you know, as much as I, you know, I do like to promote the business on social media, or at least like to showcase the business on social media, I struggle a lot with sort of the recent movement. And I actually I tuned in uh, to you this morning on Instagram Live, and you were talking about 
putting your face in front of the camera and sort of really bringing your personality out, especially when you are, you know, a solo entrepreneur and you're the face of the business. Mm-hmm. Um, I struggle a lot with that. I did do a lot more of it uh, during the closure because obviously I wasn't having that face-to-face interaction with customers. Um, but even at that, I struggle. So I do need to practice that and sort of get more comfortable with uh, putting more of a personality to the business I think that's important because as I said for me for marketing I do want it to be more of an organic strategy Um, and so I I think that's one area that I really have to work on and it's interesting you know I really recently came to understand that I need support with that you know it's interesting how um you know, I was going along in my business and about two years in, I realized, you know, I need an accountant, <laughs> you know, it's, it's growing and I need somebody like in a professional capacity to come in and do this for me because I'm spending so much time spinning my wheels in this particular area. And, you know, they came in and they, you know, helped me with so many things and relieved so much stress and pressure for me that, you know, it was worth its weight in gold. And I'm beginning to realize that now on the marketing side of things in that realm. And so I've recently made the decision that I am going to reach out um, to a local company here, actually well-known marketing. And they came in this morning actually to do a 360 Google photo shoot for me. Um, But that is one area that now I feel I I want to sort of um, go into and sort of create a a partnership with them in a sense that um, will help me grow the business, um, but very much uh, true to you know, the business that I've created and how, you know, as I talked about organic mm-hmm. marketing, you know, that it's not too forceful, but it sort of presents uh, me, I suppose, in the business a little bit more. And as easy as it sounds to just, you know, say, I'm going to put my face in front of the camera. It's not that easy. I, no, I need help with it. I definitely, definitely do. So yeah, yeah I, I'm hoping that that's going to be um, a big learning for me this year and a big investment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely a scary leap. But I think, you know, we as consumers, we often we buy based on stories, right? So hearing a story out of your mouth about why you brought this textile from India, and the fact that you spent some time there, it automatically makes me feel more connected to the textile, right? Whereas other otherwise, I was just looking at a piece of fabric, and I didn't know the history behind it, or even hearing your story about like launching your business and doing the the trade show hustle and the pop-up hustle like even to hear that it's like oh my gosh like I really want to support this business I think consumers love hearing stories and they also love connecting with other human beings it's like yeah yeah I can feel connected to a cookbook or um, a mug in your shop but I feel more connected to a person which is kind of cool so I think as you go along this journey of, of sharing more of who you are I think it'll just allow your your customers to deepen their relationship with you which will be kind of neat so um, I know it's not easy but it's definitely something that I'm sure people in your community are hungry for um, now I'm wondering what would be some advice that you would offer to someone who's looking to open a business in a small town but is kind of scared that like maybe there's not enough, uh, not enough people or they'll never make it. What could you share uh, as a helpful tip? Uh, I mean, I would definitely say for me, the route that I took with regard to doing the pop-up shop, I mean, like that just gave me so much uh, market research and yeah. information um, that was so, so valuable. I, you know, personally, I think, you know, I could spend a lot of time looking at, you know, statistics for certain towns, demographics, all of those kind of things. And yes, you know, that sort of um, quantitative research is very important too. But like the qualitative uh, research that I was able to do through these pop-up stores was invaluable. And it also was very, very useful for me personally to see if this was something that I wanted to do as my career with a very sort of minimum uh, investment or low risk, as I said earlier. Um, So if there's an opportunity to do something like that, um, and I do think more BIAs and towns are very, um, you know, interested in doing that now, particularly in something like the off season, but obviously you want to come in when it's uh, the busier season to really get a true picture of, is there a need for what you're selling at the height of of our seasonality, right? so trying to source out something like that, or even if it's just a collaboration with an existing business. Um, and then 
Secondly, I would say go and talk to people that are already in business in the town. I did that. I came up in, oh my God, it must have been early April. I remember it was still snow on the ground. It was freezing. And I, you know, stupidly came up on a Sunday to do a drive around and see, um, you know, what businesses were open, what, you know, the town looked like. It was so quiet. And I ended up going in to a couple of stores that were open. I remember the pasta shop. Um, I went in and talked to Stephanie there. Um, I talked to a couple more people and I just said, like, this is what I'm thinking of doing. This is my business. This is what I'm selling. What do you think? And so not only as a business owner on the street, they're also consumers in town. Um, And, you know, I got very positive feedback from them about, you know, my proposal, I suppose, of what I was planning to, to open. Um, and so I think that was also very valuable. I would encourage people to talk to um, existing business owners. Don't be afraid. Don't be nervous about, oh, my God, am I going to be competition for them? Are they going to be closed off? And I'm, I'm sure you could come across that. Luckily, I did yeah. not. Um, but what's the harm? There's no there's no harm in that. Just um, just to get the feedback and then also talk to the BIA, go find who the uh EIA representatives are and spend some time talking to them, uh, you know, the town as well and sort of the economic development uh, department for the town. Um, All of these are amazing resources. Um, And, you know, if you're just coming in and just sort of looking at it it on the surface, you're really getting just a tiny, tiny fraction of the picture. You want to be able to get a lot of different perspectives. Mm, it's such a good tip. And like, yeah, it's so obvious to go talk to people, but not enough people do that, right? They're scared. They don't want to mm-hmm. share their business idea publicly. They think, like you said, they'll pe- be perceived as competition. But for the most part, like people, like they want the community to grow. They want more amazing entrepreneurs to come line the streets. And so I think... um that's such good advice to just get out there and meet somebody who's doing something similar to what you're doing and ask them the hard questions, right? Are there any hidden gems tucked within Bracebridge that you would suggest any visitor make sure to go check out, whether it's a restaurant, a piece of nature, Uh, being that we're shining, shining a spotlight on the town of Bracebridge, I'd love to hear some of your favorites. Oh my God, there's so much. Um, <laughs> when it comes to, so I'll do it in sort of categories, I suppose. For for retail, there is um, one of my favorite stores, an awesome store uh, inside, well, the Muskoka Natural Food Market is an awesome store in itself. Um, and it's such a gem in our community. But upstairs, there is a store called Jibe, Jibe Jewelry. Um, and it's uh, owned and operated by another entrepreneur, uh, Krista. Um, and she sells a lot of, of beautiful handmade gifts, a lot of jewelry that she makes herself. So she actually uh, makes a lot of it in while she's in the store or in her home workshop. Um, uh, stunning jewelry, and also she brings in a lot of other artisanal goods. Uh, sort of a very boho vibe as well. Um, so she is definitely um, a gem in town. Um, and then uh, the Annex is a great store that opened. Uh, well, it's, I wouldn't really call it a store. It's sort of a multifaceted business that has um, art classes. They sell beautiful art. They sell beautiful artisanal goods. Um, they um, have a coffee shop in there. And um, it's also a space that you can rent out for events. Um, so that's a very dynamic uh, business that we have downtown. Um And then if we go on to food, a great new restaurant that just opened up that was a longtime food truck in in just on the outskirts of of town um, is Sully's, uh, Sully's Muskoka. Uh, Fantastic food. They've created such a beautiful ambiance. They're actually located in the old Muskoka brewery space where Muskoka brewery actually originated. So there's really good history in that building for, you know, economic sort of success stories in, in Bracebridge. Um, and they've done a phenomenal job and they've actually, uh, they're housed uh, with Catalyst Brewery, which is another new business to, to Bracebridge. So that's very exciting for us. Um, I'm a frequent goer to the Griffin, uh, which is a gorgeous uh, pub. Uh, if you know uh, downtown Bracebridge, you know the cute little laneway called Chancery Lane. And they're just located at the very top of uh, that building or, or that laneway in a very uh, sweet uh, heritage building. Um, and I often go there on Thursday nights because they have amazing, not right now, of course, but hopefully we'll be back soon. Uh, they have a house band that plays there every Thursday night and the owners, Kurt and Jed, play in that band along with a couple 
um, of other amazing musicians. Um, and that's always a fun time. And they have live music, you know, Friday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, sometimes even Sunday. Um, and that was the one thing for me moving up here that I knew I was going to miss so much um, yes. from being in Toronto and being able to go to a concert every night of the week. Um, I'm a big music fan. And so I love going there. Highly recommend a visit to the Griffin. Um, yeah, we have so many great restaurants and bars. And then um, with regard to, yeah, going out and about, like getting into nature, uh, one place that I absolutely love is Wilson Falls. And it is only not even a 10 minute drive from right downtown. Um, and so it's on the Muskoka River. There's, um, a, a, there's I suppose there is a falls there. There's a dam there. And then there's some natural falls there. But there's a beautiful trail all along the river. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, one of the best places to go for, for a hike. Um, and then, uh, yeah, there's so many places. There's another place called, um, Henry Marsh, which is sort of the opposite side of town as you head towards the lake. Um, and you could sort of hit, hit it at a certain point, um, and then walk all the way through until you actually reach, uh, Lake Muskoka. Um, and it's very popular for bird watching, um, it's amazing that we have the Great Canadian Trail that just runs all the way through beautiful Bracebridge, but it connects the whole country. I just think that is just so amazing. Um, and we're so lucky and blessed to have access to that. Well, you gave us an entire two days itinerary, I think. So <laughs> this is very exciting for any of the listeners who are planning their next trip or maybe first trip to Bracebridge. I think there's so many good suggestions tucked in there and I'll link all of those in our show notes. Um, before we wrap up, I'd love to know where can people find out more about you, about Cala House of Color? Uh, make sure to plug any place that you would like people to connect with you. Yeah, I'm, uh, my website um, is uh, Um And on there, I actually have an online store that I've been working a lot on, particularly during the closure. So we've really mm -hmm. built that up a lot to showcase uh, the majority of products we have in the store. Um, but I'm very active on social media. So I'm very active on Instagram and Facebook. Um, so you can give me a follow on Instagram at, at Kala House of Color um, and then on Facebook color as well and uh yeah just follow along there and you can keep up to date with uh new products that we're bringing into the store and give us requests of things that you're looking for uh we're very excited at the end of this week we're getting a brand new plant order in uh, we haven't had plants for a while so we're excited to get those uh, filled up in the store i get a lot of requests <laughs> for plants are very popular right now um so whenever something new is coming in or something popular is coming back in i tend to post on there and uh yeah and hopefully Hopefully you'll start to see more of me on there if I get brave enough and get enough coaching. <laughs> well, we look forward to it. Well, thank you so much, Claire. It's been so good to get to know the whole backstory of Kala. I think that was really inspiring. And it's so great to hear your journey from start to where you are today. So thank you for sharing your story on the Visionary Life podcast. I would encourage everyone to go check out your socials, your website, and to pay you a visit next time you're in Bracebridge. So thanks again. Thank you so much, Kelsey. Special thanks to the town of Bracebridge for supporting the Visionary Life podcast and for believing in our mission of spotlighting visionary entrepreneurs who are sharing their brilliance with the world through their unique businesses. If you'd like to learn more about this quaint little town in Ontario, head to visitthebridge.ca. That's www.visitthebridge.ca. I'll see you in the next episode.